0: Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, New Birth to Joy and Holiness, Part 3. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are a part of a church, or anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, check out our show notes or a link to Pandora, our newest host. We are very pleased that we can now be found on our new and very popular host. Also, my apologies for the mix-up with last week's episode graphic. This week is part three, not last week. All the text was correct where it stated part two. Also, last week in part two, July 4th, we examined our second part of 1 Peter, verses one through nine, titled New Birth to Joy and Holiness, in our summer series, which is titled What We Need to Know or reaffirm. Last week, we examined a few things. Among them was our inheritance. We learned it is a large estate and rich possession. We learned this large estate and rich possession is held in heaven for us away from rot, corruption, and other negative aspects that would deteriorate its quality and value. We learned that our inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Remember, only, quote, regenerate ones, end quote, are begotten to this inheritance only found in heaven. This week, we dig still deeper into the book of First Peter. Verses 1 through 9 in our last and third part of this examination. We have found a lot already because of the significant depth of this book. As I have said before, this book holds more for us than we can fully examine in our summer series. So don't be afraid of digging even deeper on your own. This week, starting in verse 3, Our scripture reads, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he gave us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, that is, into an inheritance imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It is reserved in heaven for you, who by God's power are protected through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This brings you great joy, although you may have to suffer for a short time in various trials. Such trials show the proven character of your faith, which is much more valuable than gold. Gold that is tested by fire, even though it is passing away. And will bring praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. you have not seen him, but you love him. You do not see him now, but you believe in him, and so you rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, because you are attaining the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls, first John chapter one verses 3 through 9. We will look at verse 6 through 9. I read verses 3 through 5 as they are the reasoning for the opening in verse 6, which said, This brings you great joy, comma. We will examine the Bible text after that comma. Verses 6 through 9 seem a bit confusing because they speak of great joy, then suffering various trials, Then it says, these trials show proven character of your faith, which is more valuable than gold, that even though tested by fire, is nonetheless passing away. How does that work? Scripture then says, we do not see him, but we love him. Scripture says this again, but it then says, in addition, That we believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. Again, how does that work? It says the reasoning for that is because we are, quote, attaining the goal of our faith, the salvation of our souls, end quote. That all seems a bit confusing. It also all sounds good, but just what is Peter saying? And please be advised, I made that verse a bit more personal by inserting the word our. Continuing, wherein, that is, in being so kept, you even now greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, such is our whole life compared to eternity. If need be, for it is not always needful if God sees it to be the best means for your spiritual profit. You are in heaviness or sorrow, but not in darkness, for they still retained faith, hope, and love. Yes, at this very time were rejoicing with joy unspeakable. From John Wesley's notes on the Bible. How is it that a person can be both in a heaviness or sorrow and yet rejoice with joy unspeakable? This challenges the modern mind since it seems contradictory. This seems to be a contrast, but is no real contradiction, for the character of the saints in this world is that they are. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, rejoicing even in their tribulations and temptations, yes, for them, and on account of them, in some respects, which in others make them sorrowful and heavy, or heavy with sorrow. The cause of this heaviness is not only indwelling corruptions, the hidings of God's face and the temptations of Satan, but afflictions and persecutions, which are here meant by, quote, manifold temptations, end quote, for not the temptations or to sin are here intended, but the temptations with which God tempts and tries his people. So he sometimes does by calling them to hard service, to do things difficult and disagreeable to flesh and blood, in which way he tempted Abraham, and by laying afflictions or suffering afflictions to come upon them, by which he tried Job, and by permitting wicked men to reproach and persecute them and to injure them in their characters, persons, and properties, and which was the case of the primitive Christians, and has been more or less the case of the saints ever since. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. That gives us better definition of how one can be both sorrowful and at the same time rejoice with joy unspeakable. An important thing that should be noted is that by being reproached, tempted, suffering afflictions, persecuted, Injured in character, person, and property, by this we know we are in God's instructive hand. While that may seem harsh, it is how we learn if we are willing to learn. We know he is at work in our life perfecting us for our eternal home, given our imperfect state of our salvation in Christ. God only sees us perfect and fully redeemed. However, for us, it is a bit of a long road to the fullness of our perfection and complete salvation. While those in the state of true salvation are moving toward this, God has deemed it a road of learning to be what we would have been if man had not fallen in the first place with Adam and Eve. This also shows our temptations, Afflictions and persecutions come from two sources. From God, which does not inflict harm on God's people because it is more in tune with what we today call testing or teaching. These same temptations, afflictions, and persecutions coming on us with the intent of harming us are from Satan. Our human problem is knowing the difference of how our temptations, afflictions, and persecutions are brought upon us, since either way, they are difficult. It is also difficult for us to know whether God has allowed them in our life, like he did with Job, for example, for testing and teaching. Otherwise, they come by Satan for harmful results in pulling us away from our faith in Christ. This is despite the fact that even God allowed temptations, afflictions, and persecutions can also cause us to fail. This is why this is a complex issue to navigate because our ability to discern who is the source of our temptations, afflictions, and persecutions is very difficult for us modern day people to discern. If we are truly saved, In either case, we can repent, be fully forgiven, and move on with our lives. Frequently, here in the northeastern part of America, we are taught that all negative things are only brought upon us by Satan. Some of these negative events are not even thought of as coming from God with his permission as they did with Job. No thought is given to the notion that maybe they could be brought upon us by God for rearing, teaching, and upbringing to mature our faith in Christ. This is where we modern people find a contradiction that really does not exist. It also is contradictory to the modern man or woman that one can be sorrowful while being in unspeakable joy. Yet, if we see our trials, temptations, afflictions, and persecutions as God working in our life to perfect us, then the contradiction begins to disappear. We understand things and God better. Such exercises are called, from the quality of them, temptations or trials, because they try the heart's principles and graces of them that believe, and particularly their faith hereafter mentioned. And from the quantity of them they are said to be various. They are of different sorts, as reproach, imprisonment, loss of goods, and death itself in diverse shapes, and are more or less at different times and ages, and are exercised on various persons. And are sometimes very heavy and grievous to be borne, and cause great heaviness and sorrow of heart. And yet, there are things and circumstances, and which are here hinted at, that greatly mitigate the heaviness occasioned by them, as that these afflictions and the heaviness that comes by them are but little and light in comparison of the eternal weight of glory, though they are great tribulations in themselves, through and out of which the people of God come to the kingdom. And so the Syriac version renders it, quote, though at this time, end quote, quote, you are a little made sorrowful, end quote. And then it is only, quote, now, End quote for the present time and but for a short time for a little season even for a moment comparatively speaking and also quote if need be end quote which the syriac version omits though by all means to be retained afflictive dispensations in whatsoever form are necessary by the will of god Who has appointed them, and therefore must be and ought to be quietly submitted to and patiently borne on that consideration, and are also necessary on account of Christ the Head, to whom there must be a conformity of His members, and likewise on their own account, for the humbling of their souls for the weaning of them from the things of this world, for the restraining, subduing, and keeping under the corruptions of their nature, and for the trial of grace. And it is only if and when there is a necessity for them that they are in heaviness by them. Otherwise, God does not delight to afflict and grieve the children of men, and much less his own. From the new John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. The first thing we should notice is this part of this commentary, which read, Afflictive dispensations in whatsoever form are necessary. By the will of God, who has appointed them, and therefore must be and ought to be quietly submitted to and patiently borne on that consideration, and are also necessary on account of Christ the Head, to whom there must be a conformity of His members, and likewise on their own account for the humbling of their souls, for the weaning of them from the things of this world. We can see that afflictive dispensations, trials, and even temptations are necessary. Clearly, there is no wiggle room in that statement as it is very definitive. The reason being, Is that afflictive dispensations, trials, and temptations teach us what God wants us to know? We will see why He wants us to know this in the moment we have truly learned what is necessary. We should notice well that these afflictive dispensations, trials, and temptations are by the will of God who has appointed them and therefore must be. And ought to be quietly submitted to and patiently borne. Notice what this thought says by the will of God and who has appointed them. This tells us we have trials and tribulations in life that are sorrowful, but because they are God performing them in our life, not Satan. We should find the joy there is in that. This is why commentary tells us that trials and tribulations are necessary for yet another reason. The reason being, on account of Christ the head to whom there must be a conformity of his members. Think of that comment this way. If there was no conformity to the human body, we would all look different in ways we really would not want to look like. My eyes could be in my knees, and your eyes could be in the back of your head. All because of a lack of conformity. While these are physical comparatives, this is why we also share a spiritual commonality while we all are different in this regard. That scriptural commonality also helps us minister to each other in love as scripture encourages us to do. Imagine our spirituality being as diverse as I just described the human body possibly being. That would not be good. Nonetheless, we are different, but with a spiritual commonality by design from God. Now, The most important reasoning for all of this is for the humbling of our souls, for the weaning of them from the things of this world. This alone, today, is perceived by many Christians I know as a negative thing. Many perceive being humbled as a negative thing and or experience. Yet, the purpose for that humbling is clear. It is to wean us from the things of this world. Why would that be necessary? People need homes, cars, food, clothes, and so much more. The answer, nonetheless, is clear. So we can go into our new life in the presence of Christ our Savior, God our Father, and the Holy Spirit with great ease. Without the hindrances such earthly things would cause us, if we were far more entertained by them than knowing God as our personal Lord and Savior. So we possess such things without the pride and glory that they can bring us that elevate our presence and standing within a particular community of people that gains respect from them, that respect that should have far more humble means of being attained. Verse 7 tells us why trials and tribulations occur in our lives by explaining better the fact of the humbling of their souls for the weaning of them from the things of this world. Verse 7 reads, Such trials show the proven character of your faith, which is much more valuable than gold, gold that is tested by fire, even though it is passing away, and will bring praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. We see further that such trials have a purpose. The proving of our character of faith. Notice also what else this verse says about our faith only. Our faith is much more valuable than gold. Gold that is tested by fire, even though it is passing away. Is this not unlike us? Are we not significantly more valuable to God who loves us even though we are passing away, dying? This is the principal end which God has in afflictive providences to try the faith of his people. So the faith of Abraham, Job, Habakkuk, and others have been tried, being much more precious than of gold that perishes. The grace of faith is much more precious than gold, since that perishes by using. But faith does not, and since it is so valuable as not to be obtained by it, and since those that have it, though poor in this world, are rich and heirs of a kingdom, but the trying of it is abundantly more precious than gold. For not only as gold being tried in the fire is purged from its dross and is proved to be genuine and shines the brighter, so faith being tried in the fire of afflictions is purged from unbelief and the believer is purged from his dross, her dross and tin and their iniquity is purged Urged, and the fruit of all is to take away sin, and he is tried and proved to be a true believer, and his faith shines the more illustriously as in the above instances. Yes, the very trying of it has an influence on other graces for great usefulness. For the trying of faith works patience, and that experience, and that hope from the new John Gills exposition of the entire Bible, notice what commentary said: The grace of faith is much more precious than gold, since that perishes by using, but faith does. Not. And since it is so valuable as not to be obtained by it, and since those that have it, though poor in this world, are rich and heirs of a kingdom, but the trying of it is abundantly more precious than gold. The way this happens is faith being tried in the fire of afflictions is Purged from unbelief, and the believer is purged from his dross and tin, and his iniquity is purged, and the fruit of all is to take away sin, and he is tried and proved to be a true believer, and his faith shines the more illustriously. Have you met anyone like this? Not that there are perfect people on this earth, because there is not anyone who is perfect. However, there are degrees of what people have accomplished in their salvation with respect to the accomplishments we will one day have to show ourselves worthy in heaven for our heavenly reward, which is another subject for another time. Next week, our next portion of study is titled, You Shall Be Holy Because I Am Holy, Part 1. We will find a very interesting point in Scripture where it says, In regard to the things now announced to you through those who proclaimed the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things angels long to catch a glimpse of. End quote. That suggests our work here in Christ is something that angels long to catch a glimpse of. Why do they not participate in our work? That answer may elude us, but we will attempt to find that answer next week. Play or download next week's episode in our summer series, You Shall Be Holy Because I Am Holy, Part 1 from one of our podcast hosts or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation free version. Also, please check out our show notes for links to our website and other information you may want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled How to Be Saved at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled Introduction, about us, who we are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sunday's U.S. East Coast Time Zone. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh or less. Our website is located at this internet address. unchurched.site123 dot M E Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.